to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Oh, there is power in the name of Jesus.
just a little bit uh, this evening, since it's Wednesday evening, I'm sure we're all tired. So let's sing that song, um, Hosanna. Hosanna, oh blessed be the rock, and blessed be the rock through my salvation. Hosanna, and blessed be the rock. Oh 
for just a minute and uh, we'll go ahead and take our prayer requests and I'd also like to ask uh, the deacons to be ready uh, to bring tithes and offerings as well so we just want to remember brother Gerald Crowell from brother Steve's church Uh, he is still battling with cancer so we just want to keep remembering him in prayer uh, we also have Brother Andy Irish, I believe, is at work this evening. Uh, we also have uh, Little Lincoln, who we prayed for about uh, trying to get his weight up. Um, he has returned home from the hospital, so that's that's an answered prayer there. Uh, but we just want to remember him and, and his recovery. We also want to remember uh, Brother Aaron Nigamaza. He is at work. Also, Brother David Whitlock and Brother Ben McCafferty are also at work this evening. We just want to remember uh, Sister Faye Coffey's brother. He is very sick. Uh, And also, we want to remember Brother Stephen Swafford. He is at home now from the hospital recovering. So let's just remember these needs. Um, I would, if we could, just have uh, Brother David Stevens come up and pray for these real quick. pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day to be able to come into your house, dear Lord, and just be washed by the waters of the word. We just thank you for being able to come middle of the week, dear Lord, just bring our burdens uh, to you, dear Lord. We just lift all these prayer requests that were mentioned. We just ask you to go to those that are working even now, dear Lord, and just give them comfort in knowing that we miss them, that as if we were to miss our foot, dear Lord. We just ask you to be with them as they cannot make it. We just ask you to have preeminence in this service, dear Lord. Come come, dwell in the praises, dear Lord, of your people. We just give tonight solely into your hands. We just ask you to anoint the minister that's going to bring the word. Just give him lips of clay, dear Lord, to have what you would have for us to hear. And may it fall on good ground, dear Lord. We just give this entire evening solely into your hands. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother David. You may have your seats for just a moment. Uh, Brother Keith has a special for us, but as he's getting ready for that, let's sing that song. Just a quick chorus of it. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn
I'm striving, trying to make it through this barren land, Lord. And as I go from day to day, I can hear my Savior say, Trust me, child, come on, I will hold your hand. And I'm come. of the mountain and I must hold to God His powerful hand cause I'm coming up on the rough side of the will soon be over and there won't be no more race for me to run then I get to stand before God's throne all my heartaches will be gone I can hear my Savior say Oh, 
Amen. Thank you for that. If you would just go ahead and stand and let's have the deacons come forward for the tithes and offerings. Brother Tom, if you would just pray over me. Thank you. Let's sing that song, I Feel the Pool, as Brother Barry comes. I feel the Easter weekend. We just pray that the Lord will uh, guide these services and bless these services, bless the ministers that speak. And uh, just it's always a, to me, it's always a nice time to set aside and uh, just to refocus on, on uh, the resurrection and the, the good news that we have to be able to share. Sister Shirley, good to have you with us uh, tonight. Good to have you with us here. Sister Amber, uh, good to have you here. Sister Tracy, good to have you back. God bless you and good to see you feeling better and each and every one. May the Lord bless you. We appreciate in advance all of you young men that are going to move chairs and set up tables after church tonight. May God richly bless you. We just appreciate you very much. We really do. Because we wouldn't have a dinner without you Sunday. And may the Lord richly bless you. Young and old. Brother Stephen Swafford went home uh, from the hospital yesterday, did very well and had minimal damage, did have a heart attack, but went home uh, after uh, had the stent placed and we're 
thankful for that. The family asked me to express their thanks for uh, prayers and concern that was shown. Also, uh, little Lincoln um, went home uh, today. He was in hospital, and they were they were doing more studies and watching uh, what was taking place. But they were very pleased with his weight gain, and uh, he's on his uh, on his way home tonight. It's got to be tough for uh, Caitlin, uh, Sister Karen's daughter, and. Sure, want to hold her up in prayer. Also, as well, Sister Faye Coffee and Brother Wayne, they're on their way to Ohio, and her brother has been very sick uh, for a while, and uh, they're just very concerned about him, and they've asked the family to come, so that's where they are uh, tonight. And uh, Sister Karen asked us to remember them in prayer. They're headed up there today. So let's sing one more time. We just invite Brother Mike to come tonight and just pull on the gift and uh, just trust that the Lord's going to speak to us tonight. I feel the pull, and I hear the call, and I know His Spirit's moving me to give. wonderful thing to feel the pull. Think about a statement Brother Benner made in one of his messages. He said, for a person to have a hunger in his hour, a desire for God, he said, it's a blessed thing. He said, it's a sad thing to think about how many out there that don't have that desire in their heart. So just to have that desire and have that pull right now is a blessed thing. I appreciate the opportunity as always to stand before you. I tell you, certainly have a nice sanctuary here. Amen. It looks good. I like the colors too. Yeah. Real nice. Amen. Amen. Lord has blessed you. Amen. I'm not going to prolong the time. I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn me to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Matthew, chapter 11. I don't anticipate being a long message. 
but we'll just see how the Lord will lead us. And we're going to look at verse 28, Matthew 11:28. Before we read, let's just bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you tonight. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear, to recognize your presence, to recognize your word coming to manifestation in the hour in which we're living, and to know that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, we just come humbly in your name and ask that you forgive us of our sins. And Lord, help each of us step aside just for a little while. Lord, put aside the cares and thoughts of this life. God, may we find favor tonight by your spirit to enter into your presence and recognize you here by your word. And to be able to receive that portion of your word, Lord, that you would have to pour out upon us tonight. Lord, we just commit ourselves in your hands. And ask your way, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. And it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden, my burden is light. Just bow heads once again. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We commit the service into your hand. It's actually your grace. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to take for thought tonight the bride's rest. The bride's rest. And my focus, obviously, is going to be centered upon rest. Rest is something that can come to us in a number of different ways. And it's something that every one of us will hunger for. We'll all have need of rest. We'll have need of rest constantly. It's just part of human life. But many people don't really understand how to really enter into the true rest. I'd like to just kind of give you a little definition to start with of what rest is, at least according to Webster. These, of course, natural illustrations, but they certainly play out spiritually as well. Webster says rest is freedom from activity or labor. As freedom from the need or the, the, the need or urgency to work. Freedom from activity or labor. If you remember the children of Israel when they came into the promised land back during the first exodus, the Bible says, and Brother Bantam put it this way, it says that they entered into the land of the other nations that had already been developed, where there were houses already built and there were vineyards already planted. And Brother Bantam said when they entered into their rest, not only were they not wandering anymore, but they also were actually receiving of another person's work. They didn't have to go in and build the houses. They were there. They didn't have to till the grounds and prepare them. They were there. They just inherited another man's efforts. And the Bible typed that as a rest. They entered into a rest. Rest is also described, according to Webster, as peace of mind. You know, if you look at that word peace in the Scriptures, and you see in one particular place in the book of St. John 14, Verse 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So there was a peace from fear. Not that there was not danger. Not that there was not reason to be afraid. But he said, I give you peace so that in the midst of your trouble, there's no need to be afraid. 
Are you following me? Rest is also something used for support. You know, you're sitting right now. I'm standing. But where you're sitting is actually giving your body rest. It's giving your legs rest. It's actually giving your back rest because you've got something to support you. You still have muscles. Those muscles still ain't, they're still tingling right now. But they're not having to exert in the same way. Why? Because there's a structure that you're sitting on right now that's allowing you to rest in a certain position to give your body a relaxation from having to use your muscles like I'm doing right now to stand behind this pulpit. That's a rest. And there's also a rest as in a place of lodging. And the Bible talks about the bride being in Christ, where we have spiritual blessings in Christ. There is a place that a person can go, and that place also is a place of rest. You find out in the Old Testament there were six cities of refuge, that when a man got in trouble, if he could get to one of these cities, he could rest, because under the law of Moses, those cities were given as a place, as a haven, that if a man felt like he was being wrongly accused of a crime, he could actually go to that place, find refuge, and they could protect that man so that the, so that the people that were chasing him could not lay hands on him. Those cities were cities of rest. Are you following me? So rest can be described as a place as well. All four of those things that I've described in the natural, all of them can be found in one place called Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, come unto me and I will give you rest. Very few will accept that invitation. We will understand how to enter into the rest he was speaking of. But the bride can understand it and she will understand it. The rest belongs to her because it comes to her by promise. I want to emphasize that her rest is not coming to her because of her effort or because of her merit. Her rest is coming to her because it's coming to her by promise. Israel did not receive the land that they inherited because of their good works or because they merited it. They received it because God made a promise to a man called Abraham and God was willing to keep that promise to Abraham despite the shortcomings of these people that we call the nation of Israel. As humans, we all, all are here for a reason. We all have a purpose, just like God choosing Israel, because we did not come into this world by accident. Because we didn't come in by accident, that means somehow somebody had ordained you and I to be here, and they had you come here for a purpose. And that somebody that had you come here was God. And God had you come in for a purpose because there was something God wanted for you to do. There was something God wanted to see achieved in your life. Are you following me? So that means there's a reason for you to be here. And there's a reason there's a work for every one of us to do. But let me say this about this work that God had ordained for you to do, the work that God ordained for me to do. I want you to catch this paradox. God wants you to achieve that work. I want you to watch this. But he doesn't want your effort. God actually wants you to rest while you're working. God wants me to rest while I'm working. And that in the paradox, God wants us to work. But at the same time we're working, God wants us to rest. Rest while we work. Let's look at Israel as a people and as a nation. Israel left Palestine, the promised land, to go down to Egypt. Palestine was their God-given possession But at the time that the fathers dwelt in Palestine, I want you to get this, (laughs) dwelt in the land, and those fathers were Abraham, they were Isaac and Jacob, those men had no possession or ownership in that land. The Bible says the land was actually occupied by Amorites, Hittites, Jebusites, 
and several other nations occupied those land. They actually claimed to be the rightful owners of that land, but God told Abraham, that land belongs to you. And even though God gave it to Abraham by promise, listen, even though he owned no part of it as yet, the land, I want you to get this, was already his because God had ordained it to be his. In the mind of God, that possession, that land was already finished work. So you see, God does not learn or increase in knowledge as man do, but God, because he has all knowledge and he has foreknowledge, he can see things and make statements of things that have not come into being as yet, but those who are ordained to receive those promises, listen, you have something within you tonight that would allow you to believe those things that have not come into material manifestation as of yet, and just as that land belonged to Abraham, those promises that God made, they already belong to you. Are you following me? God in his all-knowing knowledge, the Bible calls it omniscience. It's all-knowing. It means that God knows everything, the complete end from the beginning. If you look at the book of Revelation, chapter 4, verse 6, it talks about four creatures, and these creatures had a type of this omniscience inside of these creatures, and it's described in Revelation, chapter 4, 6, and it says, and these angels... And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes, listen, before and behind. The first beast was like a lion. The second beast was like a calf. And the third beast was like the face of a man. And the fourth beast was as a flying eagle. Brother Bramman described these as four anointings that rested throughout the church ages. I want you to watch this. And the four beasts had them, each of them, six wings about them. And they were, listen, and they were full of eyes within. So I want you to notice this. They were eyes before these, these, these creatures, eyes behind these creatures, and eyes within these creatures. In other words, they had knowledge of what was. They had knowledge of what is. And they had knowledge of that which is to come. Eyes means the ability to see. And Brother Bam said, this seeing was not seeing with your natural eyes. This seeing was to have an understanding. So these creatures had an understanding of what was. They had an understanding of what is. And they also had in them knowledge of what's to be. Where did this knowledge come from? It came from Almighty God. Because he's the only one that knows the end from the beginning. He knows what was. He knows what is. And he also knows everything that's going to be. If I can borrow a statement from Brother Barry. I believe he made this when he was down in the minister's meeting. And he talked about chess. And I, I, I knew they were talking about it as soon as he started going in the direction because... I watched a movie several years ago called The Queen of Katri, if I got the name right. It was about an African young girl who grew up in one of the most poorest parts of Africa, yet she became one of the world's greatest chess players. And actually, in her, in her journey from being a poor African little girl to being one of the world's greatest chess players, she came across a man who was trying to give these kids who really had no hope in life something of interest that they could participate in, something to give them joy, even if it was just for an afternoon. So he got several kids in the neighborhood, and he began to teach them chess. But there was one young girl in particular that he was teaching chess to. She had the gift within her. Like Brother Bam said, some people have keys. She had within her the key to master chess. But he didn't know it. All he saw was a little nine-year-old girl, eight-year-old girl that had an interest of spending some time in the afternoon, and he began to teach her chess. He was a good chess player. But as he began to teach her chess, she began to get better and understand chess better than her teacher. 
And one day when they were having a sit down and they were playing chess just one on one, him and her teacher, her teacher trying to say, no, no, you're doing this wrong. She said, no, teacher, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. He said, look, you're doing this. He said, but you're going to mess up because this is going to happen. She said, no, teacher. She said, let me show you what's going to happen. And she began to tell him his moves and she began to tell her her moves. And she could see seven moves down the chessboard when he was only able to see two or three at a time. She has surpassed him as a 10 year old child and what he could understand on the chessboard. Are you following me? So he realized then, he said, he scratched his head and said, I can no longer be your teacher. You've gone beyond what I can understand, even in your young years. I want you to see where I'm going with this. God was like that. Or I should say, God is like that. God can see the end from the beginning. So every time Satan wants to make a move, God already sees every move Satan's going to make. And when Satan makes a move, he thinks he's getting ahead of God, but he's actually playing exactly in the hands of God for God to say, checkmate. Satan moves to the right, checkmate. Satan moves to the left, God said, checkmate. Why could God do that? Because he can see every move Satan's going to make even before he makes the move. Why? Because he can see what was, what is, and what's to come. Are you following me? And these angels, these angels that were around the throne, Brother Bam was crying the seraphims. He said they were not beasts. Brother Bam said they are actually living creatures. Let me read that to you out of the book of Ezekiel. These things that are around the throne and had his eyes. Their brother Brown said they're living creatures. Ezekiel 1 verse 4 says, And I looked and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and a fire unfolding itself. It unfolding itself, excuse me. And a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber, and out of the midst of the fire, and out of the midst thereof came the likeness of a living, listen, four living creatures. These are the same images or the same living creatures that John saw in Revelations. They had the eyes that was before, behind, and within. He said, everyone had four faces, and, the four, and everyone had four wings, and the feet were straight feet, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of a calf's foot, and they sparkled with colors as burnished blast. And they had, listen, they had the hands as of a man under their wings and the, on their four sides, and the four had the face excuse me, had their faces and their wings. These living creatures are around God's throne, and Brother Brown said they're seraphims. And they have a portion of that knowledge of God within them to know what was, what is, and that which is to come. These living creatures had eyes within, eyes in before, and eyes behind. Now, I want you to watch this. We better drop down here for a minute. Brother Bram said in the message, influence, speaking of Isaiah, Isaiah saw the same creature that John saw. He saw the same creature that Ezekiel saw. And he said, Brother Bram said, Isaiah fell down at the temple on the altar and began to cry out. And as he cried, God came down in a vision. And he saw angels going back and forth through the temple, wings over their feet, wings over their face, crying, Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty. I want to just read that because I want to emphasize the part. These were angels. These were ministering spirits that God was sending to the earth. Are you following me? To minister to his people. And these angels, these angels had a portion of that knowledge of God to understand what was before, what is, and what is to come. Because God alone only has that knowledge. Now, what's the benefit of having that knowledge? By having that knowledge, God never gets excited. God never gets bent out of shape. God never gets anxious. God has a certain stability that holds the same throughout all ages. 
Humans get excited. God never gets excited because we get excited because there's things that happen that we don't understand why they're happening. And a lot of times we don't understand how the outcome of the happening is going to be. And those things will drive your blood pressure up. They'll drive your nerves up. Why? Because the human nature is to get excited in those unanticipated situations. But there's never an unanticipated situation with God because God knows all things. I want you to watch this. And because he knows all things, he has all situations under his control. I want you to watch this. Brother Bram said Jesus Christ identified the same in all generations. He says many times we get nervous and we begin to think, well, it ought not to be this way. How many tonight ever have something or maybe have something right now in your life and you wish it shouldn't be like this? I wish it wasn't this way. Right now I've got an operation pending because doctors talk about my heart condition. Now, what I want to say? I appreciate your prayers. I really sincerely appreciate your prayers because there have been some days, there have been some hard days, and I know it's only the prayers of the saint that have got me through those hard days. Are you following me? So I realize this is not a one-man battle. The Bible talks about how the body of the Christ edifies itself in love, and your prayers is an edification to this part of the body. Are you following me? But there's times when you get in a situation where you begin to wonder, why is it this way? And one day I was just kind of meditating on that thought, and the Holy Spirit just kind of comforted me down for a minute and said, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They had one of those days. Why did it have to be this way? But God allowed their situation to turn to the good of the word that you and I might have a testimony of cloud of witnesses behind us to recognize that when things look dark, there's still the power of God that can change any circumstance. When Daniel had to go to a lion's den, there was somebody that was able to go down to the lion's den with Daniel and bring him out of the trial of that situation. Are you following me? And so I began to recognize in order for there to be a victory, somebody's got to be willing to face the trial. And I said, Lord, I thank you for the victory and thank you for choosing me to face this trial. And I'm praying by God's grace, it turns to a testimony. Not just for my benefit, for the benefit of everyone that will hear that testimony. As humans, we look at situations and say, why does it have to be this way? But I want you to watch this. Brother Bama says, and we've got to make it this way or make it that way. Because if we had our way, we would want it to be a certain way, but maybe not the way that God ordained it. Now, I want you to watch this. Brother Bram said, we don't have nothing to do in it. Just play our part as he leads us to play. Remember, there is not one thing out of cater. When you find yourself in a trial or situation, don't get bent out of shape. Just pray to God and ask God, Lord, why have you permitted this dust? When Joseph ended up down in Egypt, are you following me? He told his brothers, don't be excited. Don't get upset. He said, God ordained this. Are you following me? For the good. Are you following me? There was a reason Joseph had to go down to Egypt. He had to fulfill that dream that he was going to rule over the great nation. He had to get through hard trials to get there. But once he got there, it was thus said the Lord. He was in that position. So Brother Brown said, just seek God's face, understand what role you are to play in that position, and don't get bent out of shape because there's not one thing out of cater. Amen. Let me read you something from the message of the rapture. Brother Brown said, God lauded his word out to each age, and each one of those ages had to manifest that. And he also foreordained men for that age to fulfill that word. So he allotted a word like he did Joseph, and then he allotted a man to fulfill that word. I want you to watch this. He also ordained men in that age to fulfill that word. Every time he allotted his word, he allotted a man for it. When he allotted Moses' time, he allotted Moses to it. When he allotted the time for the Son of God to be born, he allotted him to it. Every age he allotted his man, foreordained as the Bible said. 
If God is infinite, almighty, all-powerful, omnipresent, and omniscient. Now we're back to that, that know what was, what is, and what's to come. If that's God, why he knowed all things from the beginning, so he know there is nothing out of cater. In other words, God saw you before the foundation of the world. God saw you living in this age. God saw what this age was going to present to you and I. And then God saw the challenges he would permit, just like he did Job, just like he did Jesus Christ, just like he did with James and James when they confronted Moses. God knew what he would permit. And so when they faced us, remember, there is not one thing out of cater. Brother Brown says it's just us that thinks it is. Because we don't have the mind to know what was, what is, and what is to come. But I want you to watch this. Brother Bram said, it's everything run. Just look back in the word. And I want you to watch what he's telling the believer. Look back in the word and see what he's doing. And then we'll have an understanding. So now we're moving from being in the dark to Brother Bram is giving the bride some instructions to how to move in your situation. No matter how dark it looks at the moment, he's giving the bride a place to go. You go back to the word. We're not like Abraham. We're not like Daniel. The word may not come to us, but the word came to the prophets, and God had them put it in written form so that you and I would have a record someplace when things happen we can go back to and say, God, why is this that way? What does your word say about this situation? Are you following me? One more quote. Things ought to be. Your birth here was preplanned. I'm getting back to you having a reason to be here. Your birth here was preplanned. I guess you believe that. Every one of you knows that your birth was preplanned. He said, I guess you believe that. Every one of you knows that your birth was preplanned. He says it three times. You were preplanned. Accept that, church. Satan wants you to think you're somehow an accident. You're just some atomic fodder that came out of animals or apes or something. You were preplanned, not just as a human race, but as a particular human being. You, as a particular person, were preplanned. Did you know that you being here never originated just as a myth or thought? Everything was all pre-planned by God before the foundation of the world that you would be here. That I would be here tonight. That you would sit where you're sitting. That Brother Barry would be where he's going to be here sitting at tonight. All of this by God's mind because he knowed everything was all pre-planned. The infinite God knowed. And listen. And to be infinite, he had to know every flea that would ever be on the earth. How many times it was bad as I? I want to pause. I want you to digest that now. There's not, not one thing that could ever happen, ever happen, that God doesn't know about it. Every time a flea with the millions of fleas in this earth, he knows where everyone's at right now. He know when they came in and one day they're going to depart from this earth. And every time that flea would bat his eye, the Lord already knows everything about it. Now, I want you to watch this. He said, that's infinite. See, you or our little minds cannot fathom what that means. The infinite God, he knows all things. Therefore, there is nothing out of cater. Now, I want you to watch this next statement. If we know the word of God. We know where we're living. Now, a minute ago, he said, when things happen, go back to the word to get your understanding. Because why? Listen, church, this word tells us what was. This word tells us what is. 
And this word tells us what will be. So you weren't born with that knowledge, but God provided a way for you and I to enter into that knowledge. We don't have to remain in the dark. We don't have to step back and say, why is this happening? What's happening with this country? What's happening with that country? The word is placed. Everything taking place right now in this generation is already written in the word. But all we need is the mind of God to say, Lord, open my eyes that we can go back to the word and we can see what was and we can see what is. And we can talk for a surety and tell the people what's going to be. You can have that. I can have that. Because God provided that understanding right here in the word. Now watch this. If we know the word of God, we know where we're living. We know the hour we're living in, that which is is. We know what lays ahead, that which is to be. And we see what we passed. We know what was. And so we can recognize our birth was not just an accident. We can know where we came from. We came from the mind of God to this age. We can know what's going to happen right now because we can see it looking around us. But then we can also know when this is all over, what's going to be. Why? Where did that come from? The word of God. So now those living creatures are not the only ones that God gave them knowledge to. And prophets are not the only ones he gave it to. It comes to the prophets, but it comes to the prophets that the prophets might speak it and that you and I might know what God reveals to those men. Are you following me? That which is, that which was, and that which is to be. I want you to watch this. God has his understanding, and because of that, God rests. When Satan moves, checkmate. I knew where you were going. But why does God give us the word? Why does he give us that understanding? So that just as God rests of something, a surety, you and I can rest in the same thing God's resting in. God's resting in what he saw before the foundation of the world. He knows what's going to be. And God has put that revision in a book and gave it to you and I that we can come to the same revelation and rest just as stressful as God is. You can rest just like he's resting. But Jesus Christ said you may be in trouble, but in the midst of your trouble, there's something you can have peace in. When Abraham's body was dead and Sarah's body was dead and the world laughed at him, there was something he could have peace in. When Noah's priest is going to rain, and when he got inside that ark, and the floods began to come, and that ark began to rock and reel, and it began to lift up, and while the world was screaming, Noah was at rest. He could see what was, what is, and what was to come before the rain ever struck. How did he find that rest? He found it in the Word of God. And in every age, the believer has found the rest in their age, no matter what trouble Satan brought. Why? Because they rested upon the unadulterated Word of Almighty God. Now, what is God training you for? What is God training me for? No matter how bad this situation is getting. Let me tell you, church, I'm not preaching fear, but I want to warn you. There's something down the road. And it's not very far. Are you following me? But God wants you to be able to go right in the midst of that situation. And in the midst of what looks like chaos in the world, you're going to find rest. You're going to find a peace in a storm. Why? Because you've been given the word of God to tell you what's to come. And when it comes, you can say, this is exactly what he told me. When Christ was waiting to go to Calvary, Calvary was not a peaceful situation. But he could have peace because he knew exactly who was coming. He knew what night they were coming on. And he knew the disciples had to go away and he had to face it by himself. Why? The word had plainly described what was going to take place that night. And when God revealed the Christ upon Mount Transfiguration, the hours come for this portion of the word to come to pass. It was no surprise to Christ. The disciples went running. They were scared. 
Christ wasn't. Oh, he had a burden on him now. I'm not saying it's not a burden. Humanly, you may think certain things. Humanly, your emotions may feel certain things. But there'll be something on the inside that'll anchor, that'll bring you through the midst of that storm, even when the human side feels the pressure of what's about to take place. I'm not preaching superhumans. (laughs) That we won't have things that might not trouble us sometimes. We might not have to have somebody to come pray for us sometimes. I'm not preaching that. But I'm saying this, God, by his word, is able to reveal to you what's going to be, and you can take your rest in that. I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this. God knows all things. And because he knows all things, he can speak them before they come to pass. He doesn't have to wait for a clue or a hint or anything like that. God can speak things that aren't. And he says them as though they are. I want you to catch this now. We say things sometimes, and somebody listens to the Brother Barry, and kind of say, he ain't sure about that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get me a new house next year or next month, and you can try to tell them, he, he ain't sure about that. But when God says something, there's a certain comfort in the way he says it because there's no fear or hesitation in it. The Bible talks about Christ spoke like no other man. Who gives this man a speak with his authority? He's not like the Pharisees that sort of hit and miss and guess at what they're saying. There was something certain about the way that this man talked. God wants you and I to have confidence in that speech. He wants you and I to have confidence in that speech. What speech? The certainty of his word. When he speaks, you and I have a certain confidence that we don't want to could it be, should it be, or ought it to be. When he speaks, God wants you to say, yay and amen. Amen. Let God's word be true no matter what the circumstances and let every other voice be a lie. Even if it's your body saying that you're sick and God said by your stripes, his stripes you're healed. Let God's word be true and every man a lie. Brother Brown was challenged on that one time when he actually had some man lay all upon him, a Baptist preacher, and pray for him that he was going to be healed. Brother Brown left that prayer of that Baptist preacher and started testifying that I'm healed of my stomach ulcers. And every time he ate food, the food would come back up and he would spit up and he was still having the same pains he always had. And somebody said, Brother Brown, you're lying. He said, I can't lie. I'm only saying what God said. He's a young Kentuckian boy, know very little about the Bible. He ain't got no great preaching ministry yet. Are you following me? He ain't got no very great prophetic ministry yet. He's just a young convert that believed that God died for his sins, and that's really all he had at that time. And he was going out there confessing. Why? At that very early age, he understood a principle. Whatever God says has to be the way he said it. That's what God's building you for. Oh, I wish I had, brother asked me earlier, did I have any PowerPoint? I didn't, but I had a couple of video clips I wish I had played to show you the type of spirit that's in the land. There's an anti-word spirit, an anti-Christ spirit that's becoming more and more powerful. Just as the spirit of Christ has grown in you, listen, there's a spirit of antichrist growing out there in the world. And Brother Bram said they have to both come to a climax. And the only way you and I are going to meet that spirit, there's got to be a spirit in you that has already seen the end from the beginning. And when it rises head, you're not afraid because you know what's going to happen. When David met Goliath, David said, this day, I'll take your head off. Are you following me? 
And he told him what he would do. I would take your own spirit, take your head off. And it came to pass exactly the way God, excuse me, the way David said it. When Abraham went up on Mount Moriah to offer Isaac, he told us two men, me and the lad, we both come back after we offer sacrifice. Why? Knowing in his very own mind he was going up to sacrifice that boy. But the Bible said he knew that if he had to sacrifice him, listen, church, and he had taken fire because he wasn't just going to sacrifice and cut his neck. He was going to burn him to ashes. He was going to create, make, cremate that boy. But he knew by God's word that this child is going to be the seed that a nation is going to come out of. Somehow or another, God's got to bring him back again. He could have that kind of confidence in God's word to say, I'm going to slay him, I'm going to burn him, and then me and the lad are coming back down off of this mountain. Wait right here for both of us. <laughs> That's the kind of faith that you and I are building. Or God is building in us, I should say. But let me keep going. God knows what's going to be, and so therefore he's not ashamed to say it. He trusts it. That's God's faith. Knowing what he says will come to pass, for he has already seen it. Let God's word be true and every man a lie. God speak what he knows to be the truth, and then he brings it to pass. This was exactly the same case with Israel when they came out as a nation. I want you to watch this now. God speaking about Abraham in the book of Acts when the, when, when the young apostle Stephen was being challenged by the Sanhedrin council. Acts chapter 7, verse 4 says, then, then came he out of the lands, speaking of Abraham, of the Chaldeans, and dwelt in Curran, and from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein you now dwell. Listen. And he gave him none inheritance in it. No, not so much as to set his foot on. Remember earlier ago I said when Abraham and the fathers were in the land, they had no possession? That's what Stephen said. Abraham stood on it, but he didn't even own the ground on which he stood. Now, I want you to put, your, put yourself in Abraham's shoes for a minute. There's a voice come to Abraham. I don't know if it came as an audible voice out of the sky. I don't know if it came as a man walking on two feet. I don't know whether or not it spoke to his heart. The Bible don't tell us how the voice came to him. But the Bible just said God spoke to Abraham. That's enough of me. I know how God speaks to me, so I can imagine how he might have spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Abraham. And spoke to a man, Stephen said, that stood in the land that didn't even own the ground on which he was standing on. Now, you can say maybe he didn't own the whole land, but not even the ground he was standing on. And then yet God looks at him and speaks to him and said, it's yours. Where's this thought coming from? Who's speaking to me? It's yours. And it's not just yours, but it's your seed after you. What seed? I've been with my wife 25 years and I ain't got no seed. Who is this talking to me? Where is this voice coming from? Are you following me? But yet a man had to be able to recognize that what he was hearing was not just his imagination, but there was another power greater than what he could see with his eyes speaking to him. And the Bible said he believed and had faith. That's why he's called the father of faith. There was nothing there to prove what he was hearing, but yet when he heard it, he believed it. I love this message. There's things I can't explain. There's things I don't understand. But I love it and believe it just the same. And I said, God, help my unbelief. Because I believe this Bible is true, and I believe the vindicated voice of God in his last day is just as true as what's written, because the same God that wrote this is the same God that was speaking through him. And what is it doing? It's building our faith. It's building a place for the bride, 
to recognize that there is no infallibility, listen, in the word of God. Now, I'm not saying there's no infallibility in a man. Brother Bam said there's many mistakes a man would make. He said, you can't say there's no infallibility in the church. He said the bride, and he never said the bride was infallible or the church is infallible. But God, listen, church, I'm trying to get you to a point. God is infallible because he knew the complete end all the way from the beginning. So when he speaks, he's not presuming. He knows exactly what he's saying, and he knows exactly why he's saying it at that particular point in time. But all he's looking for is a people that recognizes that infallibility so that when God speaks to you from this infallible word, something in you says, amen, and so be it. Because this age we're living in was designed by Satan to challenge you and I on that very point. Eve fell when she got challenged on thus said the Lord. She fell. But Brother Brown said, oh, this is a different kind of Eve. She'll not fail. She's got the answer to Satan's question. Can God produce a people that will stand on the word every situation, every time, no matter what the cause, they're willing to take God at his word. That people is on earth right now. And I believe I'm speaking to a portion of it right here tonight. That's why you're here. That's your work. But it's not your human ability. It's got to be your trusting in something God has given you. And when you can trust God to make his word come to pass in you, you're not looking at your own works, but you're looking at the fallibility of what he promised you. And gave him none inheritance in it. No, not so much as it set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for possession and to his seed after him when as yet he had no child. This boy is talking to him. Sarah talked about daughter said, my husband goes for a walk. He comes back and tells me these things, Brother Barry. And I don't know where he's getting all these ideas from because she had no revelation. But to Abraham, it was God. But one day when that woman met that man that talked to her husband in flesh, he came to Sarah and said, where's your wife, Sarah? He said, attend behind me. And he began to discern Sarah's heart. said, why did she laugh within herself? Then all of a sudden, Sarah recognized, this is that man's been talking to my husband. He spake like no man has ever spoke before. And she said, I didn't laugh. He said, but yes, you did. And she could look at his eyes and recognize, this man wasn't guessing, Brother Barry. This man knew exactly what he was talking about. You're not going to bluff him with some kind of story. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And when you catch his revelation, listen, you know exactly what you're talking about. By his stripes, I'm already healed. Because God said so. Brother Mike, you can't say that with a surety. Well, why can't I? If I can't, then what can I say with a surety? Brother Bram said, by the same faith, you're sure you're saved. The same faith, you can be sure you're healed. The same faith, you can be sure there's a heaven. The same faith, you can be sure there's a body change. The same faith that there's one is not a different faith. It's the same faith. The ability to believe God said so. It just takes a man with courage to pick it up and say, let's fight. It's not the sword, Brother Bam said, but it's the strength of the hand that's holding that sword. Are you following me? I'll tell you, one of my favorite testimonies in the Old Testament, ain't David and Goliath. Oh, that's powerful. But one of my favorite scriptures is uh, not Absalom. What's, oh, I can't think of David's, David's son. Oh, which one that was, uh, uh, not David, excuse me. Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan. One of my favorite scriptures is Jonathan. Jonathan and one man 
an armor bearer, went for a stroll while his dad and the rest of the army are sitting back trying to figure out how they're going to fight because they don't even have weapons. The enemy had taken what little weapons they had. They didn't even have weapons. They had plows and shears and stuff. And the Bible said that Jonathan had a sword and he had an armor bearer that had a shield. And Saul still had a sword and a shield because these were kings. This is the king's house. But the rest of the men, they were kind of making makeshift weapons. And Jonathan went for a stroll, and he came up on a mountain where the Philistines dwell. And Jonathan told his armor bearer, he said, now, if God be with us, we can take this mountain. I want to show you what happens when a man believes God. If God be with us, we can take this mountain. He's got to go up the mountain to meet the Philistines that's on top of the plateau. And I forgot whether it was 20 or 100, but it don't matter because these were two men. Jonathan is on my bear. And Jonathan said, we approach the mountain. When they spot us, if they tell us, come up here, we know God. Listen now, he ain't got one scripture. All he's got is an inspiration of heart. Oh, I love inspiration of heart. When God anoints a man and something in that man has become so real, he knows it's got to be that way. He goes to the mountain and the men say, Jonathan said, if they tell us to come up here, the mountain is ours. The victory is ours. But if they come down to us, then God's not with us. And when these two men approached the mountain, the cliff, and the Philistines saw them, they say, what make the dogs come out of their holes? Come on up here and let, us be, let, 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 let you be our prey. And Jonathan looked at his armor bearer and said, God is with us. One man, knowing that God was with him, climbed that mountain, defeated those Philistines, and the victory was so great, the Bible said the other Israelites heard it back in the camp. And they want to know, who is this wrought in such a great victory of Israel? And they counted head count and said, who's missing? And they said, Jonathan. They knew he was the one wrought in the victory against the Philistines. What am I trying to say, church? One man had that kind of trust. If you want to call blind faith in God. Now, what is God trying to bring me and you to? The same type of faith. No matter what situation you're in. Nothing, listen, church, is out of cater. It's just us that thinks it is. But if we can get the mind of God, we'll recognize nothing's out of cater. And then you'll know he's already seen the situation before you ever arrived there. And somewhere in this word, he's provided us instructions. As the Bible said, with every temptation, a what? A way. Of escape. Somewhere there's instructions for you to be victorious in that battle. In that battle. My kids are wayward. There's instructions for that battle. My body's sick. There's instructions for that battle. My mind is oppressed. I can't seem to keep the mind out of fog. It just seems like battle after battle just has me so oppressed. There's instructions for that battle. He that keeps his mind on him shall keep their mind in perfect peace. That's a promise, and it's absolute. God gave us a wave sheaf in this hour. I believe he was. Some say he wasn't. I believe he was. God took a man. The high priest is the one that takes the wave sheaf. Christ, the high priest, took a man out of the field and said, let me show you what I can do with a man that's willing to believe my word. 
And he waved that man in his generation to say, look at what I, not look at what William Branham can do. Because Brother Branham tried many times in his life to turn back and give up. But Christ kept him. Christ is keeping you. And say, let me show you what I can do with a man. And for your sisters, a sister. The key ingredient is not the flesh. The key ingredient is the heart of faith. Now, I want you to watch this. I'm going to say this and I'm closing. God's trying to bring you and I to the type of faith that man had. Not as a prophet. We're not gifted as a major prophet of this age. So you have to be able to discern between William Branham, the son of God, and between William Branham, the son of man. I am not called to be a son of man. So there's things he did as a son of man I'll never touch. But as a son of God that believed that God the Father was able to build in him the faith that was in Christ, I am a son of God. I can attain to that. And God took that son of God and built up such a confidence in God's visions that he gave him because he knows those visions were the infallible word of God that came to him as a son of man. But he had to believe them as a son of God. And God gave him a vision one time of a grizzly bear and a caribou or some kind of animal with 42-inch animals. And God told him that one day there's going to be a trip. You're going to kill both of these on the same hunting trip. So when you get the first, thus said the Lord, before you get back to the camp, you must get the second. And he looked for that for years. Listen, he began to testify to the people, write it in your leaflets, on a hunting trip somewhere up north. I'm going to kill a 42-inch antlers, animal, 42-inch antlers. And on that same trip, I'm going to kill a, a, a silver-tipped grizzly bear. Now, I want you to watch this. He's hunting. He kills the 42-inch animal, the 42-inch horns. And on the way back to the camp, the brothers have to split up and go different paths. And he and Bud ended up on a path by themselves. And Brother Branham said, as he was talking to Bud, Bud said, Brother Branham, if the antlers on that animal are 42 inches, I'm going to have a shouting fit. Now, I want you to offer Branham. Bud, you might as well go ahead and have a shouting fit. He didn't have to wait for the measurement. He saw God's word coming to pass. And I can imagine that prophet's heart just a beating. Where's the bear? Where's the bear? And as they're walking back to the camp, Bud says, Brother Branham, we're getting pretty close to that camp. Shouldn't that bear be showing up? Brother Branham said, you're doubting, Bud. He said, no, I'm not, Brother Branham. I believe what you said because I've heard your things come to pass before. He was trying to believe. Notice the difference. Two men walking in the same vision. One trying to believe. The other one believing. Tonight, we've got to decide which one represents us. We're not trying to believe. We're saying, God, give me grace that I can believe. Listen, the same way you believe. Brother Bram said, the Bible said, have faith in God. Brother Bram said, that's actually not the right translation. He said the correct translation is have the faith of God. Believe the same way God's believing. When God told Abraham, you are father of many nations, Abraham believed the same way God believed. Moses tried to believe one time. He was a deliverer. His mama said, you're a deliverer. He tried to believe. 
But when he met the pillar of fire, that changed his faith. He now recognized he's not just a deliverer because his mother said so. He now recognized I'm a deliverer because God said so. That changed his faith. Are you with me? Brother Brandon was that kind of man. You're those kind of people. Receive that tonight. Brother Brandon, head him back to camp. I'm closing. Head him back to camp. Where's the grizzly bear? Bud said, I've been up here many years. I ain't never seen a grizzly bear in this country. Now, guess what? He thinks he's just talking. You know who was talking through him? The same way I talked through Peter when Jesus said he was going to be offered up. And then Peter said, not so, Lord. Peter was his friend. He loved him. But Jesus turned back around and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Anything that's speaking contrary to the word of God, Brother Bram says, is coming from the voice of Satan. He was his friend. But he didn't realize that it was a voice speaking trying to sow doubt to Brother Branham. I ain't never seen a grizzly bear, Brother Branham. And by the way, where is he going to come from? I can see clear back from here to the camp. And you said that you'll shoot him before we get to that camp just two miles down the hill. And Brother Branham said that we could see plainly because there wasn't nothing but low-lying timber brush. Nothing for a bear to hide in. But Faith said, Bud, I'm not going by what I see. God's able to place a bear there. And no sooner Brother Brown said that, he said, Bud, what's that over there? And he gave him the binoculars, and blood said, Home, if it, or whatever the word was, he said, it's nothing but a silver-tipped grizzly glistening in the sun. And that grizzly bear lifted up his head, saw Brother Brown and Bud, and Brother Brown said, that's what he's been waiting on. He's making his charge. Now, I want you to watch this. The vision had been foretold. One man was ready for the vision. The other man wasn't. They both talked about it. They sat around a campfire and fellowship. Brother Brown, this might be the trip. Bud, I don't know. You might get the silver tip grizzly. I don't know, Bud. God hadn't shown me yet. I hadn't killed that elk yet. They sat around talking, no doubt, many hunting trips and talked about it. But when the vision came to pass, one man was ready. (laughs) Another was not. And when that bear started charging... Bud said, Brother Branham, he recognized now Brother Branham had a deer gun. He said, you going to shoot him with that? <laughs> Brother Branham said, that's what the vision said. Bud said, well, you better shoot him in the back because grizzlies don't know how to die. He said, the vision told me to shoot him in the heart. You see, one man is reasoning, trying to understand the situation because he don't know what was. He don't know what is, and he don't know what's to come. But he's trying to imitate what the prophet told him. But the prophet had received the revelation for himself, and so he knew exactly, don't panic. I ain't scared. And you got a grizzly bear charging full blast, and Brother Brown said about 100 yards away, full blast, and Brother Brown got a little deer rifle. <laughs> to take down a grizzly bear. And I've known men that hunt a grizzly bear. And they told me the same thing that Brother Branham said, or the Bud told Brother Branham, when you shoot one, they don't know how to die. He said, I shot one in the back and broke his back. He said, that thing just began to crawl towards me. And all that pain, because he didn't want to die. That's exactly right. And Brother Branham said, as the bear was charging, I want you to watch this. He said, Bud turned white around the mouth and began to foam around the mouth. What happened to the campfires? I'm looking for the silver tip grizzly. I'm looking for Brother Bram to shoot that bear. Well, you're there. Stand up and say, hallelujah. Bear, you're getting ready to fall. 
You're coming at that wrong one this time. Shoot it, Brother Branham. It was different in that moment. He foamed at the mouth. But Brother Branham was sitting there. Brother Branham, they tell me, walked his gun went loaded. He didn't walk down the hill with a loaded gun. So when that bear started charging, Brother Branham, And in the testimony, Brother Brown said it was a gun that had a faulty trigger. So it didn't always shoot the first time. Sometimes he had to fix it again and try it again. But he's not shaking. Why? He's seen the vision. The bear is already on the floor in his den room. He's going to be giving testimonies, Brother Barry. This is the grizzly bear. I shot up on the mountain when so-and-so took place. It was a certainty to him. That's the kind of rest the bride has. God has shown her his vision. God has shown her her place in it. And trouble's going to come. Don't let it get you bent out of shape. And if you do cry a little bit, if you get a little excited, don't, don't, don't let the saints say, see, you don't believe. Don't, don't even accept that as a thought. Say, I do believe. And in the hour when Satan comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord upon this little humble bride is going to raise up a standard. She'll have rest. Not because the things won't close in on her, because she knows in whom she believes. Brother Bram gave us an illustration. I'm trying to close. He gave us an illustration. He said there was a little woman one time where there was a man up in Chicago came down to the south, Arizona, I believe it was, of Texas somewhere looking for a bride. And he got a little woman that was a little stepsister. All she did was just take out a little dishwater, maybe a cousin or something. She was the one that used to clean up after the other, other sisters. Brother Bram said, when the man came, he got tired of all that party and that hoopla that them other people were putting on, you know, putting out their little daughters and everything in their fanfare. He just wanted to get some clean air one night. He went out back where everybody else was drinking and smoking and going on. And he saw a little woman. All she was doing was bringing out dishwater. She'd go back in. She'd come back out again, bring out more dishwater, go back in. And she wasn't all that fairly dressed. But Brother Bram said he saw a character in her. He told that woman, he said, he said, who are you, a stalker? She said, sir, I didn't know you were back here. He said, why are you not in there with the rest of them? She said, well, sir, I don't participate in things like that. I wasn't invited. He said, you know why I'm here? She said, yes, sir. He said, I'm looking for a wife. He said, yes, sir. There's a lot of fine women in there. He said, yeah, but I didn't see any I'm interested in. But out here I found one. It's you. Brother Bram said she couldn't hardly believe it. He said, it's you. He said, if you'll accept my proposal, there's only one condition. One year, I'm coming back, and I'm going to pick you up. I want you to be ready. And he left. All she had was that one word. One year, I'm coming back to pick you up. You have no faith to be ready. Brother Bram said she got to sew in that dress. She got to sew in that dress. But I want you to watch something. The sisters began to recognize this beautiful garment she was putting together and said, what are you doing? She had never told them. She said, well, the man that was here about a year ago told me he wanted to marry me. And he told me he'd be back to get me in a year. She said, today is that day. I'm trying to put the last stitches on my dress. <laughs> you little nut. You think that man really meant that? He was making fun of you. He would never be interested in you. She said, but listen, I believed it. 
when he looked me in my eye and told me that, something told me even a year later, he meant that. And she was finishing that dress up. Maybe she already had it on her body. And his last stitch she was putting on really went across her lap. Maybe she just pulled a little hem up at the bottom. And while she was trying it on, she was putting a little some last perfections on it. And those sisters began to get around her. I'm trying to show you something. When it looks dark and those sisters got all around her, they were closing in on her. She heard something. She heard the wheels of a chariot coming. Now, listen, she could not see the chariot. How did she know who it was? Faith told her who it was. She believed what he said. I'm just trying to encourage you tonight. No matter what Satan's telling you, the bride's rest is she believes every word he said. And she finds her rest. Satan can buff, Satan can boo, he can howl, he can do whatever he wants to. She says, but he said. And when that little thing stopped outside, Brother Bram said, she leaped up between those sisters, and she leaped right into that chariot, into his arms, and she said, I knew you were coming back. Let's go. Ask the bride. I know he's coming back. And when the hour gets darkest, that's when the Bible says, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. And when he comes down and scoops us up, my little bride, you suffer long enough. Let's go. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, these are your people. This is your church. This is your body, the bride. Lord, we thank you for your grace in this hour to give us a message that's so simple. So, so simple. The Lord is bringing about one of the greatest characters that was ever possessed in the heart of a human being. You're reincarnating yourself in a body of believers called the bride. The same way you went to Calvary on one scripture, she'll be able to take a promise on one verse, knowing God said so. Every head bow. Does any here tonight? That says, Brother Mike, I desire to have that kind of faith. It only comes by one experience, and that's by a new birth. It won't come by joining a church. It won't come by confessing the message. But it will come by believing the word. Does any here tonight desire prayer? So, Brother Mike, pray for me. I want that experience to have that kind of faith. Just raise your hands before him with every head bowed. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Dear Heavenly Father, you saw the hands that went up. That was sincerity to make that confession. That was sincerity to admit before you, Lord, that the desire and that faith to be made real in their life. And God, I can preach it. Brother Barry can preach it. But Lord Jesus, I know you're present. Only you can make it real to the heart. I ask now in the name of Jesus Christ, have mercy, Lord. May right now, may you move back the shadows of doubt upon every heart present, mine included. If there be anything that would hinder me, Lord, from believing your word, forgive me, Lord, and may you move it right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask that you forgive their sins. And, Lord, move back that doubt that would try to hinder them from receiving that blessing. And may right now, Lord, may they claim the blood of Calvary as their own. 
recognizing they didn't raise their hand by some mental perception. But, Lord, that there was something, a spirit moving upon them that's telling them that's the right thing to do at this time. And, Lord, they responded to your spirit. And, God, may you respond back and grant them that desire that they raised their hands for. We ask it, Lord, as we committed to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 See Brother Barry by saying amen. And musicians come. Yes, sir. Oh. 
I think it helps all the time for us to be reminded, like Brother Branham said, there's nothing out of cater. There's nothing out of cater. When you look out in the world, everything's out of cater. And here's a prophet looking at it and saying, there's nothing out of cater, nothing out of cater at all. So Jesus says, you that are burdened, you that are heavy laden, come unto me. And let me tell you about my burden. I've got a cross. You've got a cross. My cross is light. My cross is easy. He says, you give me your, your burden, and I'll give you mine. And that's what prayer really is. That's what the Christian experience is. It's an exchange. He says, come unto me, all you that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you. Give me, give me your yoke, and take my yoke upon you. Let's change. But I'll tell you what, mine's a lot lighter. Mine's a lot easier. And when you know that, you know what, that he's in control and God's got it all, working exactly as he has spoken it it just makes the load a little bit lighter and that's the way it's supposed to be his yoke is lighter I think it's good to be reminded of those things I think it's good to be reminded that uh, you know God's got it all under control it's going to happen just exactly like that bear came into the camp and uh, came down the mountain there and uh, Brother Branham just had that every confidence that it was going to happen just exactly the way that God said I'll tell you what God's good isn't he good to come out on a Wednesday night and be encouraged that way. Let's sing this evening here. This is my desire to
fulfilled laid in that promise and it's got to come to pass you never tell us anything Lord but what the power to fulfill that promise lays within those words and Lord we believe you have great things in store for your bride and then the last day Lord won't be our power but as brother Mike said Lord it'll be our trusting it'll be our faith it'll be us releasing our cares and our worries and just letting you take complete control to bring it to pass Lord, your word is real, it's powerful, there's no force greater. And I thank you, Lord, for your revelation and your nearness to make it real in our hearts, Lord. Have your way, I pray. Encourage every heart. Minister to those who are sick, Lord, and the special needs among us. We commit them to you. Lord, you're a God who cares about what we go through. You're not indifferent. You're not distant. But, Lord, we believe you're nigh, even as close as the breath we breathe. Have your way, Lord, we pray now. Bless the balance of our week, we pray, and bring us back, Lord, with rejoicing. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. And all God's people said, amen. We thank God for the bride's rest. We're going to let you go tonight. We're going to sing this as we go. And uh, we're going to, in advance, thank all of you young fellows for all, and the old fellows for the work that we're going to do. Brother Mike is out in the lobby. He's waiting for you now, and uh, he'll direct things over there in the fellowship hall. So thank you for coming tonight. May God bless you, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the weekend. We have a full house, so come early and uh, get yourself a seat, and uh, we're just looking for a good time of fellowship on Sunday. We'll have two services and the dinner. Singing as you go tonight. May God bless you. This is my desire
Church. Hey.